You are now in session with the Hope Podcast, the podcast bringing you healing, empowerment, and evolution. We are your hosts, Tarani and Brittany, two practicing therapists creating a safe space for melanated mental health. Welcome back to the Hope Podcast. Today's episode is titled Hashtag for the Love of Men. And before we get started with this episode, I would like to take a moment, well, both of us would like to take a moment to formally apologize for the inconsistency that you guys have seen on our platform. Recently, it's been coming up to the holiday season, which is a particularly sensitive time for mental health. A lot of people tend to have very difficult times with the holiday season, predominantly because of different things that have happened within their lives, or it can be a season that can trigger a lot of things. So client care always comes first. We love the whole podcast. And we are so happy that you guys have been on this journey along with us. However, as clinicians, client care always is a priority to us. And we are so happy that you guys have been sticking with us, although we have been somewhat inconsistent. And we promise going forward from here out that we will be much more consistent bringing you guys the content that you love and deserve. So thank you guys. So on today's episode, we're going to discuss the topic of codependency. So we're going to discuss it from a therapeutic perspective of what codependency is and how you have seen it in pop culture recently with some of the unfortunate cases of Alexis Crawford, as well as Camille Cupcake McKinney. So let's get into what codependency is. Many of us have heard this term, especially in today's world, it's probably been overused where people just say, oh, I'm just codependent. But what truly is codependency? I like to explain to my clients that codependency is a relationship addiction. It's truly where you cannot see yourself outside as an individual outside of a relationship. Everything you do is intertwined with another individual. And when we say relationship, we're not just speaking of intimate relationships. This can be friendships. This can be family relationships. It can be a host of things, but it's that you do not see yourself separate or have a separate identity outside of a partnership. So you are truly codependent. Most of these codependent relationships, you see it more with family dysfunction or in relationships or in families where there is addiction. This is where you start to see where codependency forms. So piggybacking off of that, it is very common that we'll see with our clients that codependency does come as a result of some type of dysfunctional family relationship. Typically, there will be a person in the family, whether it's an addict or it's a uh, person who has special needs, or it could it could be something as common as a person that needs more attention than anyone else within the household. So the entire role of the family kind of shifts to be able to take care of that person. And what we'll see is most families are actually dysfunctional families. No one has a perfect standard of a family according to society. A lot of times we do things in our households in order to receive love, receive praise. A lot of times we'll behave a certain way to get a certain reaction out of those around us. And we see that a lot with codependency. With codependency, we find ourselves not being able to fill ourselves up. We find ourselves looking for outside validation. We find ourselves looking for 
outside love and outside care because we have a difficult time doing that for ourselves. And we will often find it very, very difficult to be alone or very, very difficult to affirm ourselves. And the society that we live in today actually fosters a lot of codependency. If you look at the way that a lot of social media accounts are constructed, for instance, you'll see like on Instagram, uh, one like really, really popular thing that's happening right now is that Instagram is doing a trial run of mm-hmm. um, removing likes from pictures to where you're not able to see those likes. And a lot of people are uh, having a difficult time coming to terms with that. And that's because a lot of society has very codependent traits. We depend on things such as likes on Instagram. To validate us. Yeah, to validate us and to validate our emotions. Um, We've become as a society people who, if we so much as have a bad day or if we so much as have something happen to us, the first thing we think to do is get online and make posts about it. Yeah. Like we'll get on Facebook and we'll write this drawn out Facebook post because we want others to validate our emotions. We want others to validate us. Yeah. And I think with social media and the climate that we're in, we now feel that codependency is a normal thing. Right. We don't see codependency as a dysfunction in which it is. We see it that we are a society that is heavily relies on social media. We heavily rely on social interaction. Of course, we all need social interaction, but we need to have proper boundaries where we don't cross over into what codependency is. Many times, like we see it within our clients, especially clients that are in recovery. They're in recovery, so their attention goes from needing and wanting the drugs and the drug-seeking behavior to now they're trying to find a human being to replace that void. So you'll have times where we'll see it if we have a client come in. The client will come in on their own, but then you'll peek out into the lobby. They have this person that's just waiting in the lobby for them. They literally can't be apart for just the hour session where you'll see this person is always there. And it's because the roles are now shifting. So the dysfunction in the relationship went from, I have to take care of this person to now that this person is independent as a codependent person, you don't really know your identity outside of being that caregiver. And then we are taught in childhood how to give and receive love. So that's why when we talk about family dysfunction, we see it in our childhood and then we model it in adult roles. So if you have a family member, like Brittany was saying, that maybe have special needs, you put all of this love and attention into this one individual where other kids or other parts of the family were kind of not neglected on purpose, but kind of in the background because this one individual needed so much time and attention and love and care, where you think that all relationships are like that, where you have to just pour all of your time and attention into one individual as it as opposed to it being an equal exchange. And this teaches us something. This teaches us not only how to treat ourselves, but how to treat other people. It teaches us to basically put our thoughts and our ideas and our feelings, our emotions on the back burner and put the feelings and emotions of other people on the front end. And it makes us, to be honest, people that are just more 
unfulfilled whenever we're codependent people. I tend to call my codependent people the brooms and mops of society. And the reason why I call them the brooms and mops of society is that they are the people that want to clean up everything. They are the people that want to control everything. And one thing that any therapist that you go to is going to tell you is that there's this thing called acceptance. And acceptance does not mean to condone or to like but it means to understand that things are the way that they are and to find peace with the way that things are. And codependent people often have a very difficult time with acceptance. Codependent people often believe that they can change other people. They believe that if I love a person hard enough, if I give enough to a person, that that person will be different. And another thing that any therapist that you go to is going to tell you is that the things that we can change in this life are plentiful. However, people is not one of those things. Mm -hmm. The only thing that you can control in this world is you and your behaviors and your perspective and your outlook of the world. You can't change that for anyone else, which is why codependency is such a problematic thing. Although this society will make you believe that it's normal and that it's common mm-hmm. with the bagels and yeah, especially for yeah. women too. Especially, I feel like society molds women to be codependent because right. when you brought up into the household, they teach all of the uh, household duties to the girl. They teach the girl how to cook, how to clean, how to do all of these things, grooming her for marriage, grooming her for womanhood, adulthood, and then you have the the males in the family that don't even get taught these skills most of the time. So it's teaching a woman that her identity is to take care of others. And so it's kind of easy for women to fall into these codependent relationships and that feeling that, oh, this person truly needs me. Right. And we're molding society, we're molding women to feel like, okay, this is normal. This is normal for me to just go from being a daughter to being a wife to being a mother, but we're not teaching young women how to be an individual, how to right. be themselves. And I think that it's, um, as you've seen in the media recently with T.I. saying that he goes to the doctor with his daughter to make sure that her hymen <laughs> is still intact. No, that is just disgusting. That is terrible, but it shows how... Women are not seen as individuals. Women are seen as possessions of other people. Property. We're seen as property. And with codependency, we want to shift from thinking of people as possessions and think of people what they truly are as an experience. I am getting to know this person on a separate level than myself. And I don't possess this person. This person does not possess me. We are just experiencing each other. And I think that when we realize that and we move from the fact that we are not property, we are not possessions, we are two human beings. And I like this concept of you. We're, we need to be two whole individuals. Most right. people feel that, oh, I found my better half. You should be a whole individual. There's no such thing as going look for your better half. You should be a whole person. It should be two whole people joining in a relationship. And that way codependency does not come into play because what finding a better half means that I'm finding something in you that I lack in myself. Right. And so that means that when you're gone, now I have this hole again. 
So what it should be is that I'm a whole person, you're a whole person, we got together and this was an amazing experience. But if you choose to walk away, I still can live my life as a whole person. But we teach this idea, especially to women. If you go back to even childhood stories of the prince came and saved the princess and we need to be saved. We have to spend our lives looking for a soulmate. Sometimes you are your soulmate yourself. And I'm just meeting a person that I click, that I vibe with. But society has really, really pushed this codependency as normal. And it's it's truly not a normal concept. It's definitely not a normal concept. If anything, it's damaging to the individual. We were talking uh, a bit about how codependence can sometimes be the fixers. But a lot of times what it'll do is it'll gear us towards the direction of being with a person that we know is not our match, being with a person that we know is not equally yoked for us. Um, a lot of women that I'll see, and not just in my clients, but I'm, I'm talking about on like just like a personal level, mm-hmm. they tend to get with men that have the criminal backgrounds, that have... Um, no education, the men that don't have jobs, don't have cars. And these will be women that will be educated women, women that will have their own things, women that will have a positive future ahead of them. And they'll be with men who kind of have like the bad boy vibe. And these will be men that they'll believe that they can fix or men that they can help. But the thing is, is if I'm standing up on a chair and you're at the bottom of that chair, it's much easier for you to pull me down than for me to pull you up. And that's a a very easy concept to kind of think of, but it's much easier for when we choose to spend time with people who we know are not matched to us and we choose to put our stuff on the back burner to try to fix that person. A lot of times we can get caught up and kind of switching this over to the pop culture and media side, we mm-hmm. see that in a very recent case that just happened with the young girl, Miss uh, Alexis Crawford from Clark Atlanta, who was recently discovered deceased at the hands of her roommate, Jordan Jones. And I, I kind of want to take a brief moment to talk about Miss Jordan Jones and why we chose to include this case in a codependency episode, Jordan Jones seemed from all accounts. Now we haven't gotten much information. Because right. um, the case is still unfolding and developing. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely a pending case and we haven't gotten much information concerning the background that Jordan Jones actually comes from. We don't know whether she had a, a dysfunctional family. We don't know if she had uh parts of her family or experiences that would push her to be a codependent. However, we do know that she was a beautiful young woman Mm -hmm. um, that was going to Clark Atlanta, uh, about a senior at Clark Atlanta. And she seemed like she was heading in a positive direction. From the news media that I've seen, she had a father that was in law enforcement and she came from a pretty positive family background. But when we talk about codependence and we talk about uh, typically aiming for someone who could be not equally yoked to you or could be someone that you're attempting to fix, we look at her opposite, 
and the media is portraying this. So I'm not going to put all my eggs in one basket here, but we're looking at what the media portrays as her opposite, which is Mr. Barron, her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Now, Barron had a long rap sheet. Yeah, so he had that bad boy vibes, that bad boy mentality. At least that's what the media is portraying it as. All right, and we can see obvious signs of family dysfunction with Barron. Barron has charges ranging from robbery, um, to theft, to evading police officers, driving with a suspended license, cruelty to children. And one particular charge that he has that really stood out to Tarani and I was a charge that was a violence against a family member. And that is a red flag, a really, really big indicator that there was some type of family dysfunction going on, something as big as him uh, having a cruelty to children charge. Mm -hmm. That shows that there is some type of dysfunction within the family. Yeah, there's some type of dysfunction. And also his most recent allegation was from Alexis Crawford herself. She filed a police report against him because they were in the apartment. This is all coming from the police report. They were all in the apartment drinking. Uh, Alexis woke up to Baron allegedly over her with her underwear ripped. So she made the police report that she was kissed and touched without her consent. And that was just five days before she disappeared. So even all the way from his previous charges to the most recent one that came from the victim herself, you can see that if you look at what the media has shown that Jordan Jones was a beautiful young woman, educated, and he was the quote unquote bad boy. Right. And it shows that maybe their relationship was the thrill, the fact that she came from this very maybe protected background because her father's in a law enforcement and to the thrill of the fact that this is a guy who was a total opposite. Mm. However, whatever the attraction was, it was a very deadly attraction, as you can see, where Alexis Crawford lost her life and Jordan Jones, as well as Baron have lost their lives essentially as well. They're both 21 years old and, and going to spend the rest of their lives in jail if they're not given the debt penalty. And Alexis Crawford life was taken over something that would probably could have been resolved with a conversation. Right. And when we look at Alexis Crawford now, Alexis Crawford also was a very beautiful young lady. Yes. Um, 21 years old, going to Clark Atlanta, whole life ahead of her. And from all the reports that I'm seeing in the news media is that she had a very positive family relationship as well. Mm -hmm. Now, once again, this case is unfolding. So we'll probably learn a little bit more about um, the different people involved as mm -hmm. the trial and stuff happens. But we see that Alexis came from a pretty decent family background. And we see that Alexis and Jordan Jones were described as two peas in a pod. So yeah. They were always together. Now, with Jordan and Alexis only being 21 years old, I can't help but to think that her and that Jordan and Baron weren't together very long and that Jordan and Alexis's relationship just with them being so close and Jordan attending family functions at Alexis's house and them being roommates. I can't help but to think that their relationship was very present and already established prior to Baron uh, mm -hmm. arriving on the scene. Mm -hmm. And that 
in a way like that really like sends chills down my spine because it makes me wonder like, was this truly a friendship? Like I I know Alexis, Alexis probably really had no doubt in her mind that that was her friend. Right. She, she probably had no doubt in her mind that Jordan was a friend to her, but I wonder what was going on through Jordan's mind. Like, was there some jealousy there? Was there some like ill will? Did you really ever like Alexis? Yeah, it has to be jealousy because you don't just snap and kill your best friend. Right. There's no amount of arguments. There's no man. There's nothing that can make you go from having a loving relationship with your friend to I'm just going to help kill and cover up your body. Like it has to been something that was brewing that did not come to the surface until then. But this is why it's important if you guys listen to episode one of (laughs) hashtag found my tribe, why it's so important to find friends. When we talk about relationships, we're not just talking about that intimate relationship. We're talking about friendships. It's very important to pay attention to the warning signs, those red flags that you even get in friendships. Right. Because those are people that you spend your time with. Those are people that you trust to say, okay, we're going to get this apartment together. So when we say pay attention to the signs, not just in those relationships that you are calling boyfriend, girlfriend, or whatever you choose to label your relationship as, we're talking about those friendships too, because this is a friendship that caused someone their life. And maybe there were signs where Jordan was giving Alexis signs that maybe she didn't truly like her, right? but she didn't pay attention to those signs. So this is why it's very important in any relationship, whether it's coworker relationships, friendships, pay attention to those signs because people let us know who they are before this final act. Right. Discernment is so important. Mm -hmm. You have to have discernment. A lot of times we as people, and that's going back to those codependent traits, we will see um, really bad characteristics in the people around us, but we give our friends such a benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. And that benefit of a doubt can be damaging or harmful to us because it's no doubt in my mind that those signs were not there with Jordan. Mm -hmm. I believe that Jordan probably had some ill will long before. And when we look at the discussion and the reports that are coming out about the situation, we now find out that Jordan ultimately was the person that killed Alexis. Mm-hmm. So we're now finding out that, one, there are so many red flags in this case right. that I just cannot believe that this girl was truly her friend. Leading up to this, I can't believe yeah, that she I'm, showed I'm, any I'm pretty signs. sure there probably was some text messages that ended in LOL. There right. was some truth to it that, that was shady. showed <laughs> the shadiness and the hate and the envy that she had to have. Right. Because I just cannot understand, one, like me and Tarani are really, really good friends. We're like two peas in a pod, too. But I just could not see myself like being Choking with a guy. You out, yeah, like. like, but you're you're with a guy, and your friend comes to you and tells you like, this guy attempted to sexually assault me, or this guy like I woke up in the middle of the night, and you know this guy was standing over me and I was you know disheveled. Like I could not see myself mm-hmm. as a friend, like getting upset with Tarani Mm -hmm. for coming and saying something like that. Because first of all, 
Like, if we're friends, I know you're not lying. Like, I know mm-hmm. you're not going to lie about a situation that's serious. It takes, like, there has been cases where women have lied about stuff like that, but it takes a very sick and twisted individual to lie about something like that. And I personally, with my discernment, would not deal with an individual like that. So I would always give my friends the benefit of a doubt and believe that my friend would be honest about a situation like that. So to see her kind of side with her boyfriend on this situation, when all the evidence is pointing to her and Alexis had an established relationship prior to him, kind of rubs me the wrong way. And it's very sad to see. And I feel like you see it so many times, whether it's in media, whether it's in life in general, where girls will end their friendship behind boys. Right. And you will not see that happen. You will not see a female come in between an established friend circle of guys. Like, they will not. And this is why it's so important for us to teach women that we are separate individuals outside of the validation of men. Right. And I think that this beautiful young woman, Alexis Crawford, would still be alive had it not been for this evil attraction between Jordan and Baron. Like, it's no way you should always believe the victim. It takes a lot of courage to come forward with these type of allegations and especially to have it done where your friend does not believe you. Right. That's terrible. And in this case, Alexis did absolutely nothing wrong. She did everything right. Like, if no doubt in my mind, like I said, this case hasn't unfolded yet, but I believe that Alexis probably went to Jordan and told Jordan that the situation happened. Mm-hmm. And I believe that Jordan probably wasn't very happy about it. And it could have been her own like insecurities or anything playing on. But I believe that she wasn't the most happiest about it. And she also wasn't the most helpful about the situation, which is why Alexis decided to go forth and file the police report so that she could get the assistance that she needed. Mm -hmm. And she did absolutely nothing wrong. Like there are so many women out here that are being assaulted that don't speak up because of fear of they're not being believed. Right. Them not being believed or that, you know, someone uh, will get upset or will hurt someone. And with this being a person that was a very close friend of hers, I'm sure Alexis had all types of mixed emotions going forward about the situation and saying something about it. But I also see with Jordan as well, because it's coming out in the reports that Baron already was on probation when this situation happened. Alexis filing this report could have really been the nail in the coffin for Baron to where he could really see some serious time. So, but in the end, yeah. did, did Baron or Jordan avoid the serious time? Nope. Nope. So this is why we have to think about anger. Anger causes us to react in such foolish ways where we make permanent decisions off of anger. So let's say Jordan was upset that Alexis filed this claim that Baron could potentially go to jail. In the end, the result still is Baron ending up in jail. So you could have saved your life, your friend's life, and just moved on. I'm pretty sure that the amount of time that each of these individuals are going to get was going to be far less than had this child still been alive, then been able to figure out what happened that night, it would have been 
something that they probably could have moved on from. But again, this is when we take and we let anger make these decisions for us. When it could have been something discussed, whether it had to get school officials involved, parents involved, there could have been another way around this as opposed to taking this beautiful child's life. Definitely. And this is why I think also is very important, especially for uh, those listening that are just going off to college. Start off living in a dorm because that there is totally monitored by the school system. If you have issues with your roommate, you can go to the RAs, you can go to different school officials. Not saying that they probably didn't live on campus first, but it's very it's a scary situation when you move off campus, you're on you're on a public property. You're not so much protected by the school when you're living off of campus. So just have that discernment to say, do I really trust this individual to live with this individual, to feel safe around this individual? Is this person bringing individuals around that aren't safe? Right. That's the thing, because Barron shouldn't have even been in that apartment. At all. At all. Had they been on campus, he would not have been in that apartment, especially at the late hours that some of the reports were saying. But it all goes back to discernment. If feeling out like, is this somebody I, I can live with that I can trust? Just trust right. your gut most of the time. And with that codependency piece as well, we will tend to have on the rose-colored glasses. Yeah. Um, because I promise you, Jordan knew about all the stuff that was going on with Baron. Okay. And one thing that I'm not seeing at all is Jordan at any point holding Baron accountable for his actions. First of all, no police report would have ever been filed stating that he had sexually assaulted Alexis had he not actually did something that looked like sexual assault. Yep. Like none of us were there. None of us knows exactly what happened. But I do not believe for one moment that Alexis had lied about the situation. Mm -hmm. And I also don't believe for one moment that Barron hadn't done something compromising that would lead her to believe that. So where is the accountability? With codependency, you don't see a whole lot of accountability. There's a lot of rose-colored glasses where we see people in this light and there are such good people and they would never do that. And we're just going to protect them. And her attempting to protect him is what led her to fighting her longtime friend over him and over this situation. What led to him choking out her longtime friend. And then according to reports, what led to her putting a garbage bag over Alexis's head and ultimately doing the thing that ended her life. And this is someone who had been a long time. And I'm going to use quotation marks when I say friend, because this wasn't a friend. A friend would not do that. A friend would never do that. This was a person who was an enemy from jump. This was a person who I believe personally did not like Alexis from jump. And I believe that this was just the catalyst that fueled years of jealousy and years of hate that had already been there. Because a friend would have never taken it to this extreme. Mm -hmm. But it all goes back to the reason why we named the topic hashtag for the love of men. Because we see it time and time again, whether through shows like yeah, hashtag for my man um, snapped, where we see all of these shows that is centered around a woman loving a man more than she loves herself, mm-hmm. where she makes foolish decisions based on temporary emotions. 
So this is why it's important to have these conversations with your children, with those individuals in your life so that they don't end up on the media for something so foolish like this. It's, I don't know, this case was just very upsetting. And then to see that Jordan was posting her missing flyers, knowing that she helped hide the body. Where's your conscience? How, like... That's terrible. How did your conscience not eat you alive? How did it not eat you alive knowing that you and this girl had an established relationship prior to this dude coming around who already seems like a bad character and you are online acting like a concerned friend knowing what you and your boyfriend had done to this girl, knowing what you had done to this girl who had literally done nothing to you guys. Mm -hmm. She did self-preservation. She had been attacked. She had something happen to her and she chose to take care of herself over taking care of your friendship and over enabling your boyfriend's predatory behaviors. Yes, that's the key word right there. In codependency relationships, it's a lot of enabling that goes on. It's a lot of that that you see in those relationships where you understand that the behavior needs to be corrected, but you're enabling it. Right. You're enabling it out of the fact that you're you're using it, saying I'm doing it out of love, but you're hurting every individual involved in this toxic relationship. Codependency is a toxic relationship. It definitely is. There's nothing that is healthy about it because one person is always going to suffer in a codependent relationship. One person is always going to get the limelight and the enabling, and the other person is always going to be the footstool. And no one is truly happy in a codependent relationship. No one. That's true. Even if on the surface you feel that, oh, I'm getting the love and attention, there's going to be a lot of resentment and a lot of regret when you are in a codependent relationship because you're going to feel resentful that you're putting all of your needs and your wants on the back burner while you're taking care of this individual. So Jordan Jones is the perfect example of someone who's going to live with a life of regret from getting involved in a codependent relationship. All right. And a perfect example of how your whole life can change in an instant off of emotionally based decisions and off of built up pressure. Cause I just, I don't believe that this was something that just happened out of the blue, but That situation is definitely, that screams like codependency. There's been other situations that have happened in the media lately that um, have been characteristic of codependent, toxic codependent relationships. For instance, we just had the unfortunate death of a young child. I think that she was about three years old, Miss Camille Cupcake McKinney. Um, And she was abducted from a birthday party. Uh, What happened with Miss Camille is that her mother had dropped her off to a friend's house for a child's birthday party. During this birthday party, Camille was outside and she was playing with some older children. And, you know, kids, when they're playing and they're having a lot of fun and stuff like that, they're not paying attention. They're they're barely able to pay attention to themselves, much less a three-year-old child who can be a lot to watch. She was abducted from this birthday party and she was kept by a couple uh a guy named Patrick Stallworth and a woman named Derek Brown. 
these two people kept her and it is alleged that they were the two who ultimately murdered Cupcake and disposed of her remains. And in this situation, uh, after doing a little bit more research into the two people that were involved, what I'm seeing is a lot of codependent traits, just like a lot of these other cases. Derek Brown, the 29-year-old female who was involved in this case, was actually a mother herself. Derek Brown had uh, multiple children from the reports that I've been reading, and she had a DCFS case where her own children were taken away from her. Um, she had a family member come out on Facebook Live not too long ago that was kind of talking about the fact that Derek had came from a really hurt background to where she had had her kids taken away and she felt like she had nothing to live for and um, she was just having a really hard time. But none of that negates the fact that she was involved in this situation that ultimately took the life of a three-year-old baby that had nothing to do with any of that. The reason why I say that this case in itself is really showing a lot of codependent traits is because when we look at Patrick, just how when we look at Baron, Patrick Stallworth had a lengthy criminal record. And primarily some of the red flags that really, really stuck out when it came to Patrick is that he had cases of child pornography, yep. which... As a mother, that's something <laughs> that you should not want to be around your children. I would think. Yeah. So when we talk about like criminal backgrounds, we're talking about the red flags that'll tell you that, okay, this person is charged with child pornography. I have kids. This might not be the best person I want to have around my child. Baron have these charges where he was basically volatile and abusive to women. This may not be someone I want to be in an apartment with alone. So when we talk about these criminal backgrounds, we're not just saying that people who have criminal backgrounds are terrible individuals. Right. What we're saying is, is that look at the type of charges that this person have and use your discernment to say, is this someone that I want to be around myself, around my children, around uh, individuals I care about because if they've done this before to other people, what will stop them from doing this to me? Right. And we're saying, ladies, take the rose-colored glasses off. Like, there's a lot of women out here that are dealing with self-worth and self-esteem issues that would rather have a piece of man than not have a man at all. Mm -hmm. That is a problem. You should not be out here dealing with just anything to keep from being alone. You cannot tell me that it was a smart situation for Derek to be involved with Patrick, who has child pornography charges with an open DCFS case. That, to me, is complete codependency because it's like, be damned what's going to happen to me and what's going to happen to my uh, mothering and parenthood abilities because DCFS, in no way, and I can tell you this as being a therapist who has worked with DCFS cases, mm -hmm built the DCFS case plans and everything with the workers. DCFS is not giving you your children back if anybody in that household has a criminal record. Yeah. I don't care if it's your mama, if it's your boyfriend, if anyone in that household has a criminal record, you are not going to see those children in that household. They will place those children in foster care before they give those kids back to you with a criminal record. And then the strikes that he had were things that, in a million years, she would have never seen her kids being with him. Mm -hmm. But all that aside, for Derek to be a mother and to be involved 
with Patrick and the kidnapping of Camille Cupcake McKinney. And to, I don't know if she took a part in what happened to Cupcake, but I know she was involved in that kidnapping, which is disgusting in itself for Mm -hmm. you to be a participant in something that happened to a three-year-old child that ultimately resulted in another mother losing her child and a three-year-old child who had such a promising future and a promising life passing away. Mm-hmm. These are things that as women, men, people, human beings, we have to watch out for. We have to stop surrounding ourselves with characters putting ourselves in compromising situations, things that we know are not going to work out for our benefit. Mm -hmm. The key to combating codependency is setting boundaries, one. And with setting boundaries, you got to be willing to say what you are willing to put up with and what you're not willing to put up with. Mm -hmm. And two, the key to combating codependency is self-preservation. You should not be doing anything for anyone or involving yourself with anyone that's going to be to a detriment of you. Mm-hmm. If it's something that ultimately will end up with you being behind bars, if it's something that ultimately will fuel toxicity that's already inside of you, like with Jordan Jones, that boyfriend, Baron, Baron fueled toxicity that was already present in her. Yep. He just added fuel to that fire. There was nothing healthy about that relationship. So self-preservation has to be number one. We'll see people out here that have codependent traits that are in relationships with people that they're having, you know, nothing about it is healthy. They can't even communicate with one another. They're fighting each other. The police is getting called Mm -hmm. every other week. And I think what it is, is that we have to stop glamorizing this ride or die mentality. There's no such thing that tells you that struggle has to come with love. Not at all. It's not true at all. And I think that we have glamorized through movies, through television, through posts on social media, this whole ride or die mentality. Because there are some things, there were some red flags that these individual women have, that they saw that they should have said, okay, this is where the ride stops now. Like, no, I'm not helping you kidnap an innocent child. No, I'm not helping you kill my roommate. There were some red flags before it got way to that point, but it's just that ride or die. I'm going to do what I need to do for my love. Like All of those things are very foolish and needs to stop being glamorized in today's world. I mean, and all that stuff is cute or whatever when we're talking about like Instagram goals or social media goals. Not in real life. That's that's (laughs) not real life. (laughs) We need to move past relationship goals and be individuals. Right. What's your identity outside of a relationship? Y'all are going to find yourselves out here in Orange is the New Black trying mm-hmm. to impress Bay. Mm-hmm. Okay? And Bay, Lord. Love yourself. I you got to love yourself. You need to love yourself more that you choose yourself. Choose yourself each and every time. I tell, I tell my clients this all the time. The longest relationship that you will ever have is with yourself. Right. So choose yourself every time because guess what? That other individual, they're going to choose themselves, And they have chosen themselves time and time before. So love yourself more to walk away from things that do not serve you. Walk away from family ties that no longer serve you, friendships, jobs. Walk away from those things. Self-love and mental health is very, very important. Definitely. And you got to love yourself 
before you find yourself in a compromising position that you can't get out of, like Miss Jordan Jones. Okay, Miss Jordan Jones is going to be behind bars for a very long time to think about what her bae, her boo, her relationship goals did to her friendship and ultimately has done to her life and her freedom. So in closing, I'm going to leave you guys with a quote. As we gain confidence in ourselves, red flags are no longer red flags. They are deal breakers. That's all for today's episode. Remember, if you'd like a daily dose of hope, you can follow us on Instagram at The Hope Podcast. Stay hopeful and holistic.